0: Welcome to the Mornings of Soon-Handy podcast for Friday, January 26th. Earlier this week, several city councilors brought forward a motion that could see $23 million cut from this year's budget in an effort to lower the proposed property tax rate. We get details on the proposal from Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek.
1: January 27th is Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's been almost 80 years since the end of World War II. How can we continue to effectively educate young people on the atrocities that were committed by the Nazis? We discuss the efforts being made to keep these important stories alive with Michael Levitt, President and CEO of the Simon Wiesenthal Center for Holocaust Studies.
0: And finally, looking for some family fun? Calgary's Child Magazine is out with their annual YYC Families Resource Guide. We get details on this special edition of the magazine from editor Ellen Percival.
1: This week, several city councillors brought forward a motion that could see $23 million cut out of this year's budget. It's all an all-in effort to lower the proposed property tax rate. Joining us to talk about this and all the latest news out of City Hall, Mayor Joe Tegondek joins us. Good morning, Madam Mayor. Good morning, Sue and Andy. How are you? Uh, good. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how, what has it been like at council with the, you know, uh, sort of a faction of councilors that want to renegotiate? I guess what's going to happen in the budget with the numbers? It, it was sort of already—I know it hadn't been approved, but it had been decided on—and now there's a reevaluation going on. What's sort of the feeling within council on this? Well,
2: I think you used the appropriate terminology there. These are folks that want to renegotiate or relitigate. The budget deliberations from November, and you know, I guess a few of us are quite surprised that what they want to do was actually available to them during budget deliberations. So I don't know if people weren't paying attention. Um, I can tell you that there's at least a couple of people who did try to bring some amendments to try to do something of this nature, and and they weren't passed. So um, I question why the need to relitigate something that has been approved and you know more to the point we spent from December 2022 to September of 2023 each month sitting with each other as well as administration to determine what cuts and investments we would bring forward so I don't know where some members of council were for the last year.
0: But yeah, here we are, nevertheless, and uh, looking at that uh, number of $23 million to find. Uh, how does a search like this start? Because I know that you know it's not like there's wheelbarrows full of cash sitting in. The, well, if there is in the basement of City Hall, let us know, and soon I'll be down there. Uh, uh, $23 million, where, where, where does the, the hunt start? Well,
2: this is the problem. So this number is a little bit random. And it's based on, uh, you know, some calculation that was done by these members of council. Um, they have been told by administration, you know, to, to them and to the public uh, last week that in order to deliver on cuts like this, they will have to cut across the board. And so you will see a cut to the fire department. You will see a cut to public safety. You will see a cut to transit. You'll see a cut to housing. All things that we have prioritized by spending almost a year coming up with the budget that we created. So, you know, the impact will be felt by Calgarians if this goes through. Uh,
1: when actually does that happen? When do, do you, does Council start debating this and approve or not?
2: So on Tuesday, the 30th, we have a regular Council meeting and this item is on that agenda. So the first thing that has to happen is uh, a reconsideration of everything that we did during budget. And so there would need to be 10 votes to say we need to open up everything again.
0: Interesting. Uh, Going to yeah. switch gears but still focus uh, very much on the city. Well, uh, two major cities in our province, not just our city but Edmonton. And the Premier coming out this week talking about her thoughts on the new plastic I guess you'd say, charge, not ban, charge um, in the, the city of Calgary and the city of Edmonton that was implemented on January 16th. Your thoughts on the premier's stance saying this is a city thing, this is not province, and uh, these things need to be addressed civically. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the support from the province, and what have you been hearing from residents?
2: Well, I will say that there has been um, some discomfort and some confusion in some cases, and that's to be expected when you make a major change like this. I know that our administration team spent about four and a half, five months working with businesses on a campaign to make sure that they understood uh, what the implications were. And there was uh, a public campaign as well for Calgarians. And let's start at the point of why was the single-use items bylaw created? It's because there is about 3.5 million plastic shopping bags and another 2.4 million takeout containers and on top of that there's disposable cups and plastic utensils that hit the garbage every week in our city so you know it's nice to say some of these items are recyclable or compostable but the issue is they're not going into recycling or composting bins they are going into the trash and so the goal of this is to reduce the creation of waste so that we can keep our costs down for landfills for recycling for composting and that we can just really think about how much of this do we need to consume
1: and I hear and I understand a lot of that with the plastic bags etc but but you I mean, maybe I'm incorrect because I've not gone to McDonald's but you cannot get a paper bag with your McDonald's food in it now have we not just maybe gone a little too far with it well you can
2: you, you can request a bag and, and there's pay a for 15, it. right yeah there's a 15 cent charge and that charge does not go to the city to be clear That charge goes back to the business. Um, The thing being that, and I went to a fast food restaurant this weekend, there's a burger and fries, and they came in their containers and put them in the car, and we were ready to go. I really didn't need the bag, but prior to that, I would have probably thought, how do you do this without a bag? The other thing is, most of us are carrying uh, reusable bags in our vehicle anyway for groceries. So it's just as easy to have a bag for anything that you're picking up from the drive-thru.
0: I just uh, you know I don't want to uh, you just keep on the point and beat the dead horse here uh, madam mayor but I did the math and I, I was understanding that it goes to the business but if a McDonald's were to sell 1000 of those bags a day um, that would work out to I think just under $60,000 in a year extra pocket into the businesses businesses can use these monies but having said that in your example uh, madam mayor it's different than me and my uh, family of 6 I'm gonna need a bag. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but the but the, the the paper bag thing gets me because in the 70s, in the 80s, into the 90s, we were getting paper bags for free at the grocery store, and they were you know recyclable. They're they're, they're completely you can you know uh, do all sorts of things with them after. Then we got plastic, and we started to charge. But why are we charging for paper? That's something that can go back to the earth. Is it because people just don't?
2: Yeah, that's the problem. People aren't putting it in the recycling bin or the composting bin. It's going into the trash to the tune of, you know, two and a half, three and a half million of these every week. So the issue has become that consumers are not using composting or recycling
1: as the option to dispose of the... Oh, did we lose the mayor? Hello? Are, are you there? Oh, there, we got you back. It yeah, cut I'm out here. for a sec there. Sorry, finish. Okay. Sorry, can you finish your sentence for us? We, we lost you.
2: Yeah, if the bags were actually going into composting or recycling, the argument completely makes sense. The issue is people are throwing them into the trash, which means they're ending up in the landfill, which is the exact thing we're trying to avoid. So if we reduce waste at the source, it's not going to
1: end up in the landfill. That one's a tough one. I think there are a lot of people who are not on board with that one particularly. I get it. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's one we could debate, and we probably will for a long time to come. Uh, well, you know what? Yeah, so go let ahead. Me,
2: let me tell you this. I think the other thing that's important is council is aware of the concerns, and we have the opportunity to look at whether this is working the way it was intended. So, I mean, the thing I would say to Calgarians is um, it's an opportunity for us to bring administration back to talk about what they're seeing. And is this what was intended and is it working the way we wished for it to? So there's still opportunity to make sure that we've got this right.
1: Okay, good. I like that. And I'm glad you added that. So people can reach out to City Hall, to you, to their counselor, whatever and, and say this is just this isn't working for us, maybe we need to revisit. For sure. Yeah, okay. you can reach out to us anytime. Okay, good to know. Um, let's just switch gears to something that's a little more serious, but wanted to touch on it before we let you go. A shooting at Edmonton City Hall this week. How concerning is this to you and, and your your, your uh, folks at City Hall? And how fe- how safe do you all feel? Well, I mean,
2: first of all, we were incredibly concerned about not only our council colleagues in Edmonton um, and administration, but there's public there uh, at that particular time there was i think a grade one class that was visiting city hall and we see that all the time members of the public um, come to city hall there are school classes that come here we've got a daycare so it's incredibly concerning that something like this took place Um, and i believe that edmonton did a review over the last couple of days of their safety and security protocols and i think it's just a reminder that we're living in some pretty volatile times where you know, people are, are taking to extremes to express their perspective.
0: All right. Thank you for your time. A busy one uh, this time out. Thanks, uh, Madam Mayor. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Have a great weekend.
0: You too. That okay. is Calgary Mayor Joti Gondek.
1: And it's been 75 years since the end of World War II and tomorrow we mark Holocaust Remembrance Day. Why is it so important to keep the memory of those who were lost alive and to continue to educate about the atrocities committed by the Nazis? We'll talk about it this morning with Michael Levitt, President and CEO of Friends of the Simon Wiesenthal Centre for Holocaust Studies. Good morning to you, Michael. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: Good morning, and thank you for having me uh, on the show this morning.
1: Appreciate it. Let's talk about it. In your view, why why do we need, and I guess more so now than ever, but why do we need to continue to talk about what happened and and why we honour Holocaust Remembrance Day?
3: Well, you're right. I think uh, now more than ever is certainly a refrain that I would would echo. And uh, the lessons of the Holocaust, the lessons of one of the you know the the greatest atrocities uh in human history six million jews and millions of others um who were who perished at the hands of the nazis in a systemic and brutal uh uh, you know act uh meant to wipe out the jewish people um we must never forget uh what happened then um we must use that to be able to uh you know take action wherever we see um hate uh and discrimination and racism um you know i I, we did an event yesterday uh in toronto i'm i'm speaking to you from toronto and uh uh, at toronto city hall and we had a holocaust survivor rose lipsick with us um who spoke about her last recollections of being with her family, her mum in particular, on a train, on a cattle car, arriving into Auschwitz death camp and getting off on that infamous ramp, walking towards the life or death decision that was about to be made by the Nazi guards standing there. And as she got there, the guards separated her and her mum and she clinged to her mother and the guards separated them and that was the last time she saw her mother. and. She's committed her life, like so many Holocaust survivors have, to education, especially to our youth. And as you said off the top, at a time when we're seeing hate online, and we know that online hate has real-world consequences, there could not be a more important day, time, to reflect on what those people went through, what they experienced, and how we must do everything in our power to ensure that hate has no place in our society.
0: But a bigger picture, Michael, you know, the hate toward Jewish people online, like you're saying, there's there's still channels to see such hate in 2024, which is just mind-blowing, considering that we sh- should have maybe taken lessons from, from the past. But at the same time, the real-world examples, um, when it comes to atrocities against innocent people, we're seeing that in a couple of the conflicts happening right now in our world. So the importance to try to apply the lessons we've learned from the Holocaust as we look back this weekend um, you know does it uh, cause you some frustration that we're seeing you know atrocities against humankind even in 2024 on battlefields?
3: well there, there, there's no doubt and again the you know the rise of anti-Semitism online um, and uh, and on the streets as well um, the the bitter irony that in the aftermath of Hamas's massacre the single largest massacre of Jews since the Holocaust, The irony, um, the unfathomable nature of the uh, pervasive rise in anti-Semitism in Canada and around the world in the aftermath of October 7th um, just, again causes us to reflect um as jews and allies of jews um you know right here in canada we've seen um uh, synagogues being uh being uh, vandalized we've seen jewish community centers being uh um firebombed we've seen schools being evacuated because of threats being made um it's been you know non-stop since october 7th i i the uh the uh, the police across the country are reporting a rise in hate crimes uh, targeting Jews and also targeting Muslims um, in the aftermath. So I think it, it, it tells us we need to be doing all we can um, to mm-hmm. tackle this in Canada, in our home. Um, to be able to build dialogue, opportunities to be able to speak to each other um, without um, hate being uh, the language we're using. And um, unfortunately, we're, we're, uh, we're, we seem to be losing that battle day in and day out. But, uh, you know, we, we we see that the commitment to Holocaust education, something that the organization that, that I represent, Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Centre, that's at the core of what we, we do. And we're seeing provinces uh, like Alberta um, uh, uh, following uh, many other provinces, including right here in Ontario, where they've uh, expanded Holocaust education um, uh, to grade six, uh, you know, as well as in high school. These, this is important. We, we know that it can lead to better outcomes, but you're right. It's, uh, it's not an easy time.
1: You know, and that's, Michael, I wanted to touch on the education part of it because there's so much yeah. misinformation, disinformation out there about, you know, what is happening in the world currently. And it really, that does tie back to what happened, you know, in World War II. So do you think, is the education portion, is it enough in the schools? Do we need to keep pushing for that more and outside of the schools as well?
3: yes, I think I think we do. Um, and I think there is um, two thirds of students polled uh, in a liberation seventy five poll done uh, maybe two three years ago now really didn't know about the Holocaust, any information they did have has come off of social media. and I can tell you, learning about the Holocaust, learning about anything on platforms like TikTok or uh, you know mm. uh, some of the even darker. Um, uh, social media sites, media sites where uh, where students find themselves um, at young ages is not good. We see it on gaming platforms. we see it uh, you know absolutely uh, impacting uh, the the younger generation and that 's why this commitment uh, again, a commitment we 've seen in Alberta and uh, a number of provinces is so important we need to be tackling as you said that misinformation um uh teaching some uh you know some some kind of literacy in terms of where to find mm-hmm. news sources that are that are going to be um you know valid and uh, and and be able to provide kind of accurate information but again it's not going to be on a number of the platforms um where you know hate is is often spread and uh and there seems to be little willingness or um ability for these platforms to to actually deal with again whether it's uh, uh whatever the hate and, and and hate in all its forms thrives in those places.
0: Mm -hmm. Speaking with Michael Levitt, and uh, Michael, it is Holocaust Remembrance Day tomorrow, so as we wrap up with you, resources available for people to observe, to immerse themselves in, in learning. Where can we go online?
3: Absolutely. Well, there there is uh, um, going to be uh, today, actually, the National Holocaust Memorial in Ottawa. Um, I I can only imagine that it's going to be live streamed. Um, That's a a very uh, important ceremony. uh, And uh, certainly our National Holocaust Memorial is a place where every year um, people gather, including uh, the Prime Minister, leader of the opposition and many others uh, as well as Holocaust survivors to be able to, to go and learn. Um, certainly there is organizations like my own, Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center and you can find us at www.fswc.ca We have lots of resources on there for students um, on both uh, Holocaust education and also on learning and understanding um, anti-Semitism, uh, Yad Vashem, of course, the organization um, out, of, uh, uh, out of Israel, um, which is uh, both uh, a museum and a tremendous um, a place of knowledge on the, uh, the Holocaust, those that perished. But I just want to say, you know, while we obviously, today is a day to remember those who died, um, the millions of them, as I said off the top. I think it's also a day to reflect on the contributions of the survivors. You know, there's, there's a dwindling number of them, sadly. Mm-hmm. But as I said, Rose Lipstick was with us yesterday. Nate Leipziger. There's so many of these survivors in Alberta, in Ontario, um, reflecting on their legacy and what they bring, their voice, their memory, their testimony. I think today is also a day that we can, um, uh, you know, reflect on what they've done, their courage, their commitment to educating and to making the world a better place. And, And let me just close with this you would imagine that those that survived those horrors including rose being separated from her mom and being dragged away would spend the rest of their lives with bitterness in their hearts um anger at the world but so many of them all of them that i know that's not the case they have hope they have hope for a better tomorrow and they have a commitment to do everything in their power even at, in the case of rose 95 years old to continue educating and doing whatever she can to bring hope to the next generation. And I just want to, on International Holocaust Remembrance Day, which is tomorrow, salute the survivors for all they do and thank them. And I think that's something that Canada as a whole can continue to do each and every day.
1: You're here. Thank you so much, Michael. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks. Michael Levitt, President CEO of Friends of the Simon Wiesenthal Centre for Holocaust Survivors. Again, fswc.ca. Are you a
0: long-time parent or are you a parent-to-be? I'll write this down right now, calgaryschild.com. We'll be giving that yeah. website out <laughs> a little later as well. It is the annual YYC Families Resort, Resource Guide. It is out, brought to you by the good folks from Calgary's Child, or as I call it, the roadmap to my life. <laughs> um, it includes all the comprehensive guides, the camps, programs, birthday parties, lots of seasonal family fun, and to tell us all about it, Ellen Percival of Calgary's Child Magazine. How you doing, Ellen?
4: Good morning. I am great. Thank you so much.
0: Well, this is fantastic, and it's interesting because I I did hear earlier, our Sudiel was promoting our program. We do have ways to promote our program, Ellen, on Global TV, and she mentioned that, yeah, it's January, but you might already be starting to think about summer camps. So there's always, it's a a 365-day-a-year job for parents and for you, Ellen. Tell us about this resource guide.
4: Well, you know that manual that you wish kids came with? Yeah we did it (laughs) and it, it is so comprehensive it is the best of our guides through the whole year so we take them all all those comprehensive guides that we're known for and we put them in one place and so yes if you're looking for camps and want to get a jump start on what might be a good fit for your child, we've got hundreds of them.
1: I love so, it. It goes beyond that, though, Ellen. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in because I was just online at uh, uh, looking at the magazine, and I see you like, you can't. You even start with associations, support, and services. So it's not just like the, the camps and fun. This is some serious stuff that you may be looking for for your family, too.
4: Absolutely. Uh, we've got a family wellness and inclusivity guide that we are really proud of. Um, for families that need a little extra support, that need to find inclusive and accessible options and resources, camps, birthdays, venues, you name it, we've got them here for you. So it's, we're really proud of this guide. It's one of the only ones in Calgary. And we take a lot of time to make sure that, that Family Fun is accessible for everyone and that you can find the resources you need.
0: Uh, we got a, you, uh, a note in from Jessica that says, Calgary's child is awesome. I have oh. a 10-year-old, and it's absolutely an amazing resource for parents. And I think if you can break down again the impetus of the magazine, uh, we can get more into the, the, the activities, but since Jessica you know, prompted it with the text, the impetus of the magazine, because this is not an advertisement, you and your team, the due diligence that you do, you know about these activities and programs, don't you, Alan?
4: We really do. We are celebrating our 30th year this year publishing. And so we're really proud of that. And yes, um, we're so lucky in year one and two, we were so embraced by the community and and we couldn't do it without them. And absolutely, we can tell you the best places to bike ride, the best parks in Calgary, you name it, we can help you with it and we do. And we have wonderful writers that are experts in their fields And we just hope to bring, it's a network publication. It always was the intent of it to bring those looking for help uh, together with those who can offer it. And whether, like I said, that's the best playground or the best place to go hiking with your kids, we've got it.
1: And you are helping us to get out of the winter doldrums by looking ahead a bit too, because you've got a like a, a spring break family bucket list. So tons of different things, you know, depending on where the weather's at. But so many great options, and and that's the thing. What you said it yourself. You and your team, you've been here for years. You've been doing this magazine for years now, online as well, of course. So you know, you know the city and you know the surrounding area
4: we really do you know we, we we this is our lives we live here we raised our families here we're still raising families here and we're raising grandchildren some of us and this is just it's who we are and It's what we do day to day and we know it's important to families and they tell us what's important and so we respond to we do polling we find out what do you want to know about where are your pain points how can we help you and we have experts in every field that we can respond to that and you'll see those answers in the pages because typically if you're struggling with an age in the stage there's a lot of other parents
0: Mm -hmm. that are too and we don't want to cause panic Alan. but uh, you know as i (laughs) mentioned earlier when as you mentioned summer it's by the way january 26th how urgent is it and and realistically how early in the year should we be as parents looking at summer camps to, to secure a slot we might want to get
4: okay uh the issue that we're working on right now our chinook edition comes out at the end of february and it has the early bird camp and it has listings and directories and ideas for what to look for in a good camp i would start then again you know it's the specialty camps that fill up quickly the ones that are really unique Mm -hmm. they may not have as many spaces the venue may not be as big don't panic like we offer choices from now all the way into July and August for parents that, you know, we've heard that, I don't want to go to camp, I don't want, <laughs> and all of a sudden, all my all my friends are at camp, I've got nothing to do, I'm so bored, so don't worry. We've got um, many months of camp options and class and program and family fun to keep everybody
1: busy. It's awesome. Fun stuff, family stuff, some coupons in there, some features like I see you've got exploring Calgary's Chinatown. So some features on different areas of our city. So it promotes local and it really is the life. The life that we need, the help in life that we need uh, for all the parents and grandparents out there. If you don't pick up Calgary's Child Magazine or check it out online, you are really on the losing end of this stick for sure. Thank you so much for your time, Ellen. Always appreciate it. We can go online and get it at uh, calgaryschild.com. You can also pick up the magazine free anywhere around the city. Ellen Percival, of course, is the editor of Calgary's Child Magazine.